welcome in, guys. South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I'm the host of this podcast. Thank you guys for checking it out. Glad you're here. Got born and raised on the podcast today. Born and raised productions is a couple dudes, Garrett Thompson, Kent Oglesby. They do talent buying, concert promotions, all that, everything music, everything live music. Those guys take care of it. Um, didn't know what to expect with this conversation. We, I know these guys a little bit, but we haven't really spoken a whole lot. And uh, it was cool to it was cool to catch up with them and get to know get to know them a little bit better and get to know about their business a little bit better, which is really awesome what they're doing. And uh, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad somebody's out there doing it. Uh, got some kind of phantom kind of noise on the podcast from from some of my equipment. It's starting to some stuff starting to go down, starting to fail or something. I'm gonna have to get a new uh get a new setup. So my boy Sam Thomas has put together uh a little package for me to to get and and to to take care of. So if you guys hear a little buzz here and there. We 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 thought we narrowed it down to either a cell phone or a jewel that was uh making uh the interference with the microphone, but you'll hear us talk about that a little bit uh during the podcast. Uh we talked about rhythm and blooms and uh how sad we are to, that that Knoxville Staple Music Festival uh, had to go away. Uh, Garrett was very involved in uh, that festival the last five years of its life, so we dug in pretty deep on that. Kent had an awesome story about Wes Bailey, uh, who's the former guest on this show. Uh, that was a really, really good story. Uh, and they're just, uh, Garrett and Kent are just good dudes. They're, they care about the artist uh, that, they're, that they're promoting, and, and they, they put themselves last when it comes to uh, booking their shows, promoting their shows. Um, and I, I, I think that's, I don't know. I think it's a really cool way to go about it. And they're, and I hope they can get back to work soon, booking shows, making us all, uh, get out and have a good time. All right, let's get into it. Garrett Thompson, Kent Oglesby, born and raised productions. We're doing the pop. See, you got some of that Roman man up there. Yeah. Have you had some of that? No, they they like sell out like instantly. No. Whenever they have it, that's awesome. Would you like some? I feel like I don't. I would never want to ask that of you because it's so rare. I don't even feel... know what I've got, so I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get you some. Can't you want some too? But just like no a ti- just like a tiny yeah, taste yeah, of it, yeah. you know. Cool. This is awesome. Thanks, man. You got- <laughs> This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks for coming. This is like this whole thing's like a like a real like Mark Maron vibe. Yeah, it's so much cooler than than us being like, come sit at our desk in our office. Well, you got like the garage like punk rock, yeah, like podcast going on here. Well, I'm almost feel I, I almost feel like it's not nice enough to invite some people over here. No offense, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are totally within the wheelhouse you of this. None taken I until you. you said no offense. Yeah, actually. I, 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 I'm kind of proud of that, that I fit in that category of like, yeah, this guy seems like he hangs in garages. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> We're men of the people is what yeah. he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you guys do yours at your, at your, at your office? Yeah. We, yeah. when the, when the Rona, when the coronavirus <laughs> first hit, we had to start doing them like via Zoom. Ah, yeah. I haven't done that yet. I, I, I tried to avoid it, but now I'm not so scared of it anymore. Like I think it's fine. It's fine. I thought people, w- I thought people wouldn't like it at first, but it doesn't seem to be a, th- uh, doesn't seem to be a- turning people off. There's enough cheap ways to get pretty decent quality audio now, even going over 
the internet like even just something as simple as like those old iphone headphones with yeah the, with the microphone sounds yeah. pretty good yeah that's what producer sam was telling me he said that um he was cutting a podcast that somebody else did he said some one of the people they did it via zoom one person was wearing airpods one person was wearing the old apple headphones mm-hmm yeah, the AirPods aren't as good. Yeah, the AirPods aren't as good for... for he said the, that the old Apple headphones sounded awesome. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. When did you guys... Uh, so Born and Raised Productions is your guys' company, right? Yes. What's that? You got it. Are you looking at me? <laughs> yeah. It is a... Essentially, we do talent buying. We, bu- we cool. book in, uh, bands for concerts, and we put on different events, uh, music festivals, silent discos, kind of anything in between if it, if it pertains to music we're gonna try it <laughs> we, we got that damn sound coming back it's, like, uh, it's still oh, is it the curious jewel? if we'll hear is it, it the jewel it could be the jewel oh <laughs> man <laughs> i think it is really <laughs> just imagine what it's doing to your face man <laughs> <laughs> So I, I I didn't know that. I thought you guys were just on the like production side, building the stage, getting, you know, the, the sound systems and all that. I didn't know that talent buying was a part of it. Yeah. So we do, we do I all mean, of it, but talent yeah. buying is a big part of it. I mean, the, the quickest way to say it is that we're a production and promotion company. Yeah. yeah. We organize events. So I, I think I remember meeting you, Garrett, at, uh, at, uh, Rhythm and Blooms probably. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, we were shooting something there, and, and I think that you were our point of contact. Looks like you were really busy. You were also running the show, apparently. Yeah, so I used to be the per, uh, production manager of Rhythm and Blooms, and so I did... Uh, I worked for Dogwood Arts, and we, my counterpoint would have been China Brackeen. She did the talent buying, and her and I worked together to kind of put that event together. Okay. Um, She... Sore subject. No, no. Well, no. I mean, yeah, obviously we all miss it. Yeah, um, I miss it. But China and I worked really well together, and I enjoyed working with her, and we put on some really cool events. So, so. you worked for Dogwood? I worked for Dogwood, Okay, yeah. so you were a full-time employee year-round, not just for the festival. Right. Oh, yeah, awesome. I was, yeah. Okay. So, and then Born and Raised, we started in 2017, mm-hmm. and it's picked up enough momentum to where... We started to, we, we still work with Dogwood yeah. and we do stuff. They hire us to do stuff for them. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, we're trying to take a stab at, you know, going full time, yeah. born and raised. So. Yeah, yeah. So when you did, so when you were at Dogwood, it was, it, this was very much already a part of your, part of your job, what you're doing now with, with promotions and also the production side of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of how Kent and I, um, we started, I, I feel like you, we've been working together long before 2017 where we filed the LLC and started the, the brand for born and raised. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we've been, we've been putting on shows together since 2014, I think was the first, the first one. one. Wow. How'd you guys meet? We, so one of my best <laughs> friends in high school is Garrett's brother. His name's Hunter. Oh, and cool. we actually had a class together in high school. We took music theory together. Oh, nice. You two were in the same class? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So different, different grades, different ages. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. We don't have to say which. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Just one of us is older and it doesn't matter who. (laughs) Now I know. I think, I think that reveals it all. (laughs) And then, so you guys uh, buddied up after that and just started running into each other or what? Uh, yeah, you started sending me stuff from Nashville. 
when yeah, you so lived in Nashville? Yeah, so I moved to Nashville. I went to MTSU and studied music business there. Cool. And worked in the industry for a record label and arts management company. Nice. A couple other things, like, while I was there. And I stayed here and started the Knoxville Music Warehouse music blog. Oh, and yeah, I've heard of that. Garrett was sending me stuff, like, hey, you want to put on a show with these guys? He got me hooked up with Corey Smith, who works at, who now works at AC Entertainment. Yeah. We, I think the first show we ever did together was, like, a showcase on a Monday night at Preservation Pub. Cool. And uh, it was my, my first thing in talent buying. It was place was packed and i was like this is what i'm doing now this is it that's all i want to do i live here now yeah. this is what i this do this is yeah. me now yeah that's awesome <laughs> all right so what were you doing when uh, garrett was at dogwood just the uh still the blog uh yes okay. yeah i did that until until about three months ago i just now stopped Okay. Stop doing it. And went full born, full born and raised. Yes. This was going to be our year. <laughs> <laughs> we literally said Out multiple loud. times in January and February, like, man, 2020 is going to be our year. Dude, I think everybody had 2020 <laughs> circled on the calendar. It was looking good. Then Kobe died and we were like, oh, something's wrong here. Something, something's amiss. Yeah, something's this is the wrong reality. Yeah, exactly. It's like 2020. It's just a pretty number to see it printed. Yeah. You know, the whole vision analogy, yeah. you know, all of that. It's like, boy, we really, we really messed that up. Yeah. 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 No fault of our own. We had, I mean, we, but we had things lined up, like already, like documents signed, things we were ready to do. And we're like, unless something totally crazy happens. <laughs> oh, bummer. Uh, but that's good, man, that you guys, I mean, there's a watermark there. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's, you guys know where it can be, right? And yeah. I mean, sure. I think it gives us a lot of faith in the future and our yeah. ability. You know, we were. It's always, I think it's really, really hard for anyone to take that leap to going, all right, we're going to take, we're going to try this and not try anything else. Yeah. Cut the safety nets. Yeah. yeah. We were. It's not like you guys are bartending at night or anything. Yeah. You know? And we were ready to do it. And then, you know, all this happened. So. Well, it sounds like it kind of worked. Like <laughs> a little proof of concept. It was going to. Yeah. It would have, yeah. but for. Yeah. Global pandemic. So going back to the, to the beginning, are you guys both from Knoxville? Born and raised. He was born, I was raised. <laughs> yeah, Garrett came up with the name. He wasn't even born here. I was oh, no. Yeah, I was born in Alaska. Oh, were you really? Yeah. Foreigner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad was uh, in the military. Oh, gotcha. So we moved around. Luckily, he did the majority of his time before like I was born. So like, ah. I only had to move three times. Okay. So wasn't that bad. What are they, military brat? Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Where, so where else you lived before you came here? Uh, Alaska, Mississippi, and then we moved here. Okay. So and my brother, a little bit older than me. Um, and went to school the same. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm figuring this yeah. out now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he lived in Arizona, so they lived in like five or six different places. Okay. But it wasn't too bad. He ended up retiring here because he was like, this Knoxville's sure. awesome. Yeah. I'll stay here. So. Well, you can't. Come from a pretty long lineage of Oglesby's living right here in Knoxville. My kindergarten teacher was Miss Oglesby. Different one. I've <sighs> been asked <laughs> You're that like, I know that one. Life. Have yeah. you really? Yeah. Who is this There's lady? not a lot of Oglesby's outside of, like, my family. Yeah. So you know here. them. There are, like, two other ones, and I get And one the, of them was the, a kindergarten teacher at the, Farragut Primary School? Kindergarten teacher at Farragut, because <laughs> I went to Farragut. It was yeah. the one that I get asked all, all the time. A lot? Yeah. <laughs> I you, think she's still there. I, I think I've been no asked way. that like in the last no two No way. She was like a hundred when I was there. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Maybe it's 
her her daughter or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. So where'd you guys go to school? Where'd you go to school? Um, so like high school, actually, we went to Farragut, mm. um, and then I actually transferred to Bearden oh, for cool. the rest of my high school. Um, yeah, caught some sense. Yeah, and transferred and like, over to Bearden High School. Stinks. Yeah, and then I went to Bearden. <laughs> the enemy. Well, you know the the whole like zoning thing is kind of weird, and like we lived right on the line. Yeah, and of course, all of my friends went to Bearden, and then I was like the one kid mm-hmm. that was like, "Well, I'm going to Farragut." Yeah, so. that happened to me. Um, well, where we lived, we lived out off North Shore, like Keller Bend Road. You know where that is? Mm-hmm. And. We went to Farragut Middle School, but Bearden High. We were zoned for Farragut Middle School and Bearden High School. So that's it was weird. Like, it was weird. It was cool though. Once I was in high school, because I met a bunch of new people. Yeah, and I already knew everybody who went to Farragut, so got to end up knowing a lot of people by yeah, the time it was said and done. I should have done that. Should have just stayed. <laughs> I don't know. I, I enjoyed both both schools. Did so. you guys go to UT after that? I did. He went to MTSU. Oh yeah, that's right. Music business. Right. Yeah. What did you study at UT? Marketing and advertising. Yeah. How do you like that world? I love it. Yeah. What you- it, I mean, it works well for the company too, because he knows a lot of the, a lot more of like the strictly music industry type stuff. And yeah. for the promotion side of things, like I know the marketing a lot better. We both kind of do everything. Wear all but, the hats. But whenever we have to kind of split up the, split up the workload, it kind of works out that we are able to, yeah. you know, split it up in that way. Yeah. So when was a when did you guys decide to uh to I guess dig into the music world? I mean, you obviously kind of had your eye on it from the time you oh, graduated college, right? Yeah, I had I had set my I, I had decided I was going to MTSU for music business, I think in eighth grade. Oh wow. And I was like, this is Do they I'm have a do. good program for that? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. So cool. MTSU and Belmont and Full Sail are like the three big music, music. industry related schools. Cool. And both Bel- Belmont and MTSU are in Nashville. So, okay. well, MTSU's in Murfreesboro, but yeah, yeah. My buddy Wes Bailey went to Belmont and to study music business. We were just listening to the Wes Bailey episode on the way over here. Yeah, he's a cool cat, man. I got yeah. a good Wes Bailey story for you. Well, he, and I, he and I graduated the same year. He went to Beard, and I went to Farragut. Oh, okay. My freshman year of college. This is when Facebook events first became a thing. Oh yeah. So like, you know, now when it when it says like. 300 people say they're going it means like seven people are going yeah is that right and yeah yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're here to tell you uh then it was like if 100 people rsvp yes on a facebook event that means 150 people are showing up and uh i was throwing this christmas party at my parents house during christmas break were your parents home or were they out yes of town? they were home okay. i mean it was sanctioned it was all on the up and up except i didn't realize how many freaking people were going to come yeah. people that i'd never seen before people i never met before wes bailey was one such person yeah and uh my mom's got an old piano like a it's like a family heirloom like passed down mm-hmm. kind of thing and uh people were just goading him all night like play something on the piano man yeah. play something on the piano and he finally just like just succumbed to it and was like all right i'm gonna do it sits down starts playing like really soft little little ditty and then about two minutes in, just starts wailing on this thing. Stands up, <laughs> kicks the kicks the stool. Yes, that's. Were you there? <laughs> that's basically how it went. Yeah. So he he does it and kind of breaks it a little bit. The piano or the stool? The piano. Oh no. Um, but it was fine. Like it, like nobody plays that thing. It just kind of sits there. Yeah. But at the time, he was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> he was like, "I." And it, it looked like the Incredible Hulk, like coming to after he like Hulk rages, <laughs> and he was like, 
he was like, I'm so sorry, man. I think I think I broke the piano. And I was like, dude, it's fine. Worth you, it. You, that was amazing. You rocked yeah. it, bro. Yeah, because I hadn't, I mean, that was before Moon Taxi. I, I had yeah. heard that he was a good piano player. Yeah. But holy shit, I was not, I was not prepared for that. It was incredible. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's a pretty great story to say, like, the keyboardist of Moon Taxi broke my family piano yeah, yeah. at a house party. Yeah, like, worth it, yeah. <laughs> totally worth the story. Yeah, and whatever. Then, you know, def- your parents weren't too pissed, it doesn't seem like. So. No. And that was like well, years ago. And uh, They probably didn't even know it was broken. No, they never know. <laughs> they don't play it. Yeah. They don't, nobody well, Wes did. Wes played the shit <laughs> he out of it. He played the ever-living shit out of it, and it was awesome. Oh, that's excellent. So were you guys, did you guys play music growing mm-hmm. up? Is that what got you into looking that way, looking that direction. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I was, I, how do I say this? I was never very good. Me either. Um, which is why I, I would much rather just like facilitate other people who are actually good musicians sure. and good artists. Yeah. I, do I don't think thing. either of us were just, it's not that we were bad. We're just not good enough to make a living doing it. No, yeah, one's, no one's going to pay to hear us play. I get it. It's a, cr- it's a crowded room. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least play originals. Maybe You're right. Covers. I shouldn't be so hard. Yeah, we were fine. Yeah, we were fine. Hey, but I mean, it's just like you got to put in the ten thousand hours. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Who's, who's that? Who's the ten thousand hour guy? Who is it? Malcolm Gladwell. Oh yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. I heard he's got a killer podcast. Yes, he has a whole like like killer um, brand tree of of podcasts. Oh really? So he's got yeah, he's got broken record and revisionist history, and I think one other one. Does he host all of them himself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, host yeah. or co-host. Yeah, that's cool. They're really good. Is the broken record one that he co-hosts with Dave Rubin? Yeah, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dave Rubin's like a right-wing <laughs> political I don't, th- I don't think Malcolm would be in no, the no, no, no. In, into that. Yeah. yeah, he wouldn't be into that. But yeah, the Rick Rubin one's actually really cool. Well, what about you, Garrett? Did you play growing up? Yeah, I played uh, various different instruments whenever I got the opportunity to. I uh, primarily found myself playing bass, but I mean, every once in a while I would jump into bands playing. I played drums for a band for, for a while. I was not I'm not a drummer, but I played drums for a band because they're like, we need a drummer. I was like, yeah. I'm a drummer. And everybody plays guitar. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Played a few house shows, but. That's cool. Uh, played in a band in college and yeah. I mean, I've always loved music and wanted to be a part of the process in any manner that someone would allow me to be involved. Yeah. But yeah. I, you know, playing music and writing music is incredibly difficult. And I feel like I was too harsh of a critic to ever allow myself to like develop it. If that I get makes it. sense. Totally. You know? Yeah. And it, and it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's also a very, it can be a very solitary thing. Like it, even if you're in a band, if, if you're an extroverted kind of person, you know, it's, you still got to practice a lot by yourself. And a lot of people just don't get, just don't get off doing that. You know, yeah. and, and it, it, every time I, I think about somebody who's just mastered an instrument, I'm like, you spend a lot of time in your room by yourself, writing, refining. That's not yeah. my, that's not my thing. And in failing over and over and over yeah. again, think about how For many sure. licks, how many times you play a certain lick until you, you get it right. right. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember, I remember that. I remember learning to play songs on the guitar and spending, yeah. you know, spending days like I was just a little bit better. I but once this. you got it, though, oh. didn't it just feel so good? Endorphin that, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and you Endorphin surprise stomp out that. of your bedroom with your guitar and look at what I can yeah. do. Yeah. I should amend. We, when I say that we weren't very good, we're, we're, we're actually very good. Mm. What was the band? Very. We're, we're, starting, we're starting a 90s cover band called Wild and Crazy Kids. So oh, we, that need is to, we need to not be putting it out there that we're not good musicians. You guys are? Yeah, we are. Yeah. It's called Wild and Crazy Kids? Yeah. Yes. 
Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we have shirts. You want shirts shirt? and everything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I early nineties and two thousands, but yeah. yeah. Awesome. A little aggro crag action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you'll have some. You'll, you'll you'll have teen spirit to compete with, right? Oh, no, I, I don't feel like. Well, yeah, if that's you like frame a frame mi- like that. Then minor league lose. and major league team. You never yeah. put those two together. You know, like. <laughs> I know Jonathan and those guys are very talented. And if anyone was ever like, do you know a really great 90s cover band? I would always say, well, Teen Spirit is the best one in Knoxville. We're hoping to take all the gigs that they're not available for, basically, is what we're saying. (laughs) If they book a wedding or something, you'll you'll play Scruffy City Hall. Yeah, exactly. That night. Uh, You know what's what, uh, what, Jonathan Sexton? Mm -hmm. Is that his name? It's the front, well, the... Is yeah. he the front man? Sure, yeah. front man. Yeah, because there's so many in that band, and they all take turns singing songs, but like, I think it was Jonathan's original idea to like kind of put the group together. I think Caleb is now the one kind of managing it. But is he? Yeah, Caleb Jonathan's Boaz. Been, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, I love that dude. Uh, so I got you. I, before I before I met you and knew mm-hmm. you, I used to get you two mixed up. Yeah, you and Jonathan. That happens all the time. Does it really? Yeah. There's three of us. There's me and Matthew Cummings and Jonathan. Oh, uh, yeah. He's the uh, pretentious guy, right? Mm-hmm. The pretentious, that pretentious guy. <laughs> that pretentious. pretentious. He is pretentious. Beer, <laughs> beer glass company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he makes beer and glasses. Yeah. Beer glasses. What did Zach Roscop tell me? He said it's the only place in the world you can drink you a can drink a beer made out of a glass that they made in the, the same, same place. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. So, did you tell me what instrument you played, Kent? I I don't believe I did. Uh, I played I play guitar, some cool. drums, some bass. Master of None kind of yeah. kind of thing. That's cool though. Who else is in the band? Wild and Crazy Kids. Much better musicians. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. As long yeah. as we're like softening <laughs> you're like, a, you're our, like our own talent level, we made sure to get really good players around us. Hey, oh, I'm, man. I'm, the, the the look of relief in your eyes is like, oh, good. <laughs> They're not going to completely embarrass themselves. No, we uh, we surrounded ourselves with some amazing musicians because we knew that it, we needed that. Um, Asher Coker is playing drums. Cool. He's a phenomenal drummer. I know that name. I don't know. If um, he is. I'm trying to think of what his like kind of resume looks like, but he's played in a lot of different bands and uh, played with churches and stuff as like worship director and things like that. Oh, cool. And now he has his own business where he just teaches drums. That's cool. Um, yeah. I think he has a podcast too. He has a couple podcasts. Yeah. Sweet. So. Yeah. And then Cody Knoll, um, he's the manager over at Coffee and Chocolate, but majored in music composition he, he can shred on guitar that's so. awesome yeah is he is, is he here because of the university or does he did he grow up here he grew, he up, grew here up here as well okay. yeah i've just noticed that i look back at, at the guests on my uh that that i've had so far on the podcast and i noticed that over half of them maybe 75 percent of the guests were from somewhere else and reside in knoxville because they went to college here Interesting. They came to the University of Tennessee and stayed. And <clears throat> the people that uh, that I'm talking about, they're musicians, they're artists, they're creatives of some sort. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's like very much an overlooked asset as far as building our creative or our, our cultural fabric around mm-hmm. here of, you know, our art scene. Like the university contributes a hell of a lot of people to that. Yeah, sure. They, they do a good job training them up. And then Knoxville is such a great place that they don't want to leave. Yeah, the, the university puts out great musicians. Yeah. I mean, you know, short of maybe like Berkeley and one or two others, like I would put the UTJ. And honestly, 
the musicians that come out of there as well, I feel like are workhorses. Like they're ready to do. As far as universities that also have like a high profile football team, who probably have the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like the the biggest output of of killer musicians you, to come out. If you of. like football and music, it's the place for yeah. you. Oh yeah. You guys know Will Wright? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he's such like the consummate artist, right? Mm-hmm. With you know, Lil Iffy and then Peak Physique and all of his stuff. And he's so he seems like just this like, just this kind of inward like, just artist that is just could care less about everything else in the world. And uh, he's become one of my biggest like football talking buddies. Yeah. He is the yeah. huge football fan. And I'm like, that's, that's amazing. You rarely find like, even in my, even in, you know, our business of film and television, like I can't find 10 people to put, to go in a bracket pool, you know, <laughs> because it's just, they don't give a shit about that's so sports. Funny. We were just talking about this the other day with, uh, with Josh and Brandon Manis yeah. of game night yeah. about, like there being a stigma in like the art scene. If you're a sports fan, it's yeah. like, it's like, no, oh, that's not really what we do. And I was, and I told him, I was like, Will Wright's one of the first people I ever had this conversation with about like, cause he's a, he's VFL. He's a big, big Tennessee sports fan. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just such a dumb, like cultural thing. Just like you're into what you're into. You love what yeah. you love. Just, yeah. I'm not saying you have to like sports, but it's okay to like sports. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I can't walk we around. Our, I can't walk around my office. I mean, I, I we started. We do fantasy football team now, and there's mm-hmm. like two of us who care, you know, or fantasy football league. There's two people who even pay attention to it. Yeah. Everybody else is just. I I did a fantasy football league in Nashville with it was a bunch of like music industry um, related people. Yeah. And it was like a fifty dollar buy in, and there was like twelve people in there. So, and it was a winner take all. Yeah. And it was like, oh man, this is that's, that's yeah, a good chunk of change. Bucks. Yeah, exactly. And I made it. To, I lost in the championship yeah. round to the team, the guy who did auto draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my yeah. gosh, I was so mad. Yeah. yeah. It's like, if, if it's for bragging rights, I want everybody to be engaged. If it's for money, yeah. then you guys can, you guys You're can just do whatever like, you fuck want off to do. as yeah. much as you feel like, just let me win it. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're, uh, after, after college, you, you move back. Here, Gary. I moved back here. Did you stay in Murfreesboro I, for a little I while? I actually stayed. Yeah, I moved to Nashville. I got married and moved to Nashville. Okay, got married and, pretty young then, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We got married like just like, right out of college. Um, we dated throughout all of college, and then got married, and then moved to Nashville and lived there until about 2015. Cool. So we were there for I don't know three or four years after college, and then um, the record label I was working for um, it folded. So. And it's a small label and just what, ran, what, ran out of what money. What was it called? Uh, RPM, RPM cool. Entertainment. We, I mean, we worked. Uh, a name that you guys might be familiar with that's been in the news, n- not positively, is uh, Chase Rice. Oh yeah, uh, the we dude wor- who had the show at the dude uh, who had the show. The dude who had the show. Yeah, Brushy Mountain. Yeah, yep. and uh, there was a photo that was taken where yeah. people were too close to each other, not wearing masks, yes. and mm-hmm. he's been shamed all over the oh, place. Man. To be fair, he probably deserves some shame. Really? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like, man, it sucks that people were behaving badly. And now this artist who yeah, just I'm, wanted to make money, who well, hadn't worked to, in months. To be fair. Now, I'm not. And most things I would never really defend Chase. He's he's a big boy. He can take care of himself. Yeah. But, you know, as a, a an artist, you get paid to come out on stage. And maybe you, how much due diligence can you do as an artist yeah. hey, your you agent and manager talks to everybody yeah. and that's really on the promoter and the venue and the security sure and it's like listen i'm paid to 
entertain. I'm not paid to keep these people yeah, apart. Unless I go where I'm told. Um, yeah, play but yeah, I think that it's just, it's become this cultural thing. And so now you've got to be a, you have to be conscious of what's going on, even though that may or may not fall into your, your responsibility. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, I know that guy, like, yeah, I can't imagine he did he encourage. No yeah. <laughs> encourage it. I know he did, <laughs> but yeah, we worked, we worked, uh, two of his singles. Yeah, at least okay. I didn't know who he was. So, so you're basically so, responsible. So yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. Like I didn't know. I'd never heard his name. Now I've heard his name twice. You yeah. know. So like it's the no no, or no bad press thing, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I was I was talking to somebody. I was like, if it was anyone else, I feel like it would really negatively affect their career. But like he kind of he kind of came out of nowhere, and like he had fans before he had anything else. Really? So like uh, I feel like in pop country, you kind of like you have to work the industry side of it and yeah. get a radio single and all this other yeah. stuff. But like he came out selling a hundred thousand units without any kind of deal in place. Really? Yeah. He was a, How? he was on survivor. Media? He was on survivor. Um, he was a football player. He just had a really like interesting story and he had just gained a lot of followers and fans yeah. through all these different things that he did before then. Yeah. So that one, they um, kind of worked backwards by building around the persona instead of yeah. having the music and then building a persona around it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how, how involved was the, or how involved is a label in something like that in, in leveraging, you know, yeah. a following like that and, I mean, and building a brand around somebody. Was it, did you ask me this the other day, Ken? Like, how, what does it take to break an, a country artist? And I said, like, about $2 yeah. million. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's what it takes. It's like, yeah. it's changed significantly since 2015 because now streaming is more important than radio. But back then, like, I worked in radio. So, like, we had to get plays on radio. And that's how you built a following is you needed a number one hit on radio. Yeah. And so it's, you just bought it. You just went out there and just hustled and. Do people play, pay to put their stuff on the radio? <laughs> we could do the whole oh, man, the whole podcast. Wait, what, is that payola? Is that, payola? that is what you're describing as payola. What it is. Yeah, and and the answer is yes, they do. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, they're, but not they're not allowed to. They're to. not. Yeah, yeah, they're not legally allowed to. But they yeah. do. They find unique ways to get around it. But yeah. So yeah, okay, I see. Two million dollars to break a country artist. I think I think that could do it. Yeah. <laughs> And you can definitely spend more though. Yeah, uh, I bet you could. When I said we ran out of money, that's because we spent it. Yeah, yeah. You can run, you can run out of money. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have something hit, man. And I feel like, I mean, God bless you guys for being in the music business because I know the film industry that, which is the industry I'm in, is you know not known to be this, you know, bastion of uh, ethics or morals or anything. But the music industry is very doggy dog too, right? I oh, it's, mean, it's it's worse. Yeah, I think think about. The perfect the perfect analogy is watch the Oscars and then watch the Grammys. Yeah. The the things that like you're not allowed to do in the Oscars is <laughs> not even like close to what the Grammys like musicians do whatever the hell they yeah. want on TV, you know, like and they're like, Yeah, sure, whatever. Chris Brown, let's put him back up there. He said he's sorry. Exactly. You know, like <laughs> Yeah. So. Rihanna's writing songs about getting beat up. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like, what and they're the like, hell? Well, he said he was sorry. We'll just put him back up there. He's Chris Brown, he's great. Yeah. They uh the music industry is a little more uh Yeah, and how long did the industry put up with R. Kelly until Yeah, exactly, yeah. Until finally it was just like too too much of a public outcry. Yeah. It was like the moment they're like, Well, we're gonna lose money. Yeah. So let's let's kick him out now. It, yeah, but, and then you go in Chicago, you they're still playing R. Kelly up there. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean that's why we like being, you know, a small company in our hometown. Mm -hmm. Is that we don't we don't deal with any of that shit. We yeah. just we just like to 
to work with a bunch of like up and coming artists yeah. that are that are worthwhile and are often friends of ours and from here in Knoxville yeah. and it's it's a lot better than like the music industry as a whole. Yeah. So explain explain talent buying. Cuz it goes hand in hand with promotion, right? Sure. Mhm. So explain that a little bit. I don't well, think everybody knows like the nuts yeah. and bolts of that, you know. Um I'm trying to think of where to begin this it's well, it's not all that complicated i mean right. it's it's just you have there's a band that you think would do well and then you reach out in to concert a, live yeah for a live show yeah you reach out to either that band directly or their representation and you tell them i want how i'm looking for this band on this date and then you put a hold on the calendar while you negotiate the terms and then you make them an offer and if they like it they take it if they don't then they move on yeah i think it's it's glorified cheerleading for different artists like you know, an artist can't possibly organize everything in every market that they have to play. If they're playing a hundred shows a year, how could they possibly connect to the audience of that market? Right. And be like, you should, and also like, it's really hard to be like, you should listen to us and anyone take you seriously. Yeah. So like we, and that's the promotion. Side yeah. Of it. And yeah. so we kind of, we find these artists that we really love and we go, listen, we're willing to take risk. We're going to give you money mm-hmm. and it's up to us to make sure people are there. Yeah. So you come, you know, you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to go find the people and we're going to justify that. And if we sell enough tickets, we'll make money. Yeah. Know? So it's almost like you're, you're leaping before you can really see where you're going to land. Right. So a little bit of it's, yeah. it's, it's gambling, it's, it's gambling, gambling yeah. which is why I think why I love reward. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you a big gambler? Yeah. yeah. But it's, so it's, it's speculation. Fun. Yeah. 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 You gotta, you gotta really know. You have the, certain metrics you can lean on to make educated decisions, sure. just like anything yeah. else. But I mean, sometimes not. Sometimes, especially for promoters at our level, you got to take a chance on a band that's never been here before. So you don't right. have a market history to, to go on. You just have to see like a, a video of them playing live and be like, can I sell this? Can, is, is Knoxville going to find this compelling? Right. And sometimes you can take a chance. I think that's why we've, where our successes have been found in Knoxville is that like, we see bands most people I think in Knoxville wouldn't take a chance on because they've never played here before. And we go, I think we know enough people to, we can make this happen. Mm-hmm. This is a band we can sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get creative in how we sell that band. Um, and that's what those, you know, Bird Talker, their very first show was with us and we sold it out. And um, I think they they love us for it because they're yeah. like, you guys took a chance. And, yeah. you know, it paid off. So, so you've got to have some, I mean, you've got to have some, either a some operating capital to get to get a talent mm-hmm. buying and promotions gig off the ground yeah yeah or b somebody to invest yeah is no that, so that... our first perfect example of this is that like what was it two years ago that it was right when we started we had like three sold out shows in a row and you would think that's a good idea but like the way that tickets were, yeah, we didn't have enough cash flow to yeah, pay out yeah. all of them. Yeah, the like the bank accounts. Yeah, the, yeah. the tickets hadn't hit because the tickets usually don't hit our bank account for like a week and a half after the show. And I was like, "Hey, we just had three sold out shows. These, we, we're, we're going to write you a check. It's not going to clear on Monday, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such an embarrassing thing to go through to hand an artist a check when you're settling up at the end of a show and be like, "I promise yeah. this is legit. You're just going to have to trust me." Don't cash this till Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've heard like not not I don't think I'm telling tales out of school, uh, because this is secondhand information anyway, but I knew a guy who did uh who ran the sound at Ella Garoo's for a long time when Ashley Capps owned 
I don't know if he owned it or if he yeah, ran, he did. Did he? Yeah. And he booked it, I assume, too. Mm-hmm. Bought all the talent for yeah. it. And said that he was notorious for not, you know, for, for doing the same thing. Let me pay you on, let me pay you next week or whatever. It's Until, a hard game. That's, I mean, that's the name of the game if you're yeah. like a company that's basically trying to bootstrap itself. That's the thing is like a lot of these shows, like so much money changes hands, but the promoters take not a very big cut of it. So you have to have enough on you. You have to have enough on hand to actually pay them out that night without giving them some kind of, some kind of like explanation. Yeah. So it's really, we learned that though. We learned that and we've been smarter about it. It's just about knowing what shots you can take, you know? So it's, it's brokerage a little bit too, right? I mean, you're, you're, aren't you, I guess then, so let's say you find an act that you want Mm -hmm. to bring to town. You also have to probably at that point have a venue in mind too. Mm-hmm. Or, or do you find that later? We, we always have a venue. We kind of have a home base. And you match them? You Although, when we first started doing it, we didn't have venues. It's true. We, we started, just had a sound system. We had a sound nice. system, and we created a concept called The Secret Shows. Nice. So no one knew where it was going to be until the day of. Oh, that's fun. And the reason why is because we didn't know we it didn't was going to be. Venue, yeah. <laughs> so you were leaning into it there a little bit. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, they just, didn't know that we didn't know, right. but they were just like, oh, well, we'll find out the day of. Yeah. And we had... We'd book the show and be like, all right, we got, we got to find a spot. Yeah, yeah. We got six weeks to find a place. And we that would... actually, looking back, is ridiculous that we ever did anything like that. <laughs> to book a show, we had tickets sold before we had a place to put them. Yeah, we sold out some shows that there was, it was like, we sold 200 tickets. Oh, great. Where are we going to put 200 people? Oh, that's great. <laughs> we had some close calls too. Never any like day of. Like we always yeah. at least knew yeah. going into the day where yeah. we were going to, but I mean, like, Three or four days away, we yeah. were like, "Yeah, we don't have a fucking place to put these people." <laughs> <laughs> Garrett, last time I talked to oh, you, you man. said you told me you were pretty risk averse. That does not sound risk averse. We learned at all. we learned a lot that first year, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah, we learned a lot. We we've gotten much better at it, and we don't take swing like big big swings, right? Um, we don't want to be Firefest. We never want to make the news. Oof, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But so that, that would, you're right. That was risky. <laughs> so what's your, uh, what's your venue that you, your go-to venue? Pretentious now? Beer Company. Oh, nice. The aforementioned. Yeah. Oh, so you do their, uh, sorry, your mic's doing the thing again. Oh, no. It's not your fault. There's nothing it to do. It is the jewel. It is oh, the no. jewel. I'm telling you it is. <laughs> um, does it still happen? Yeah, a it little, is. A little bit. Yeah. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, Don't touch it. Don't I'm going to get a new cable and a new microphone the second you guys leave. Oh, okay. Because we switch channels. Um, what was I saying? Uh, so, Pretentious Beer Company mm-hmm. is your guys' venue of choice. That outdoor space back there, mm-hmm. that's really sweet. Yeah. I like it. The, uh, all the silent disco for, uh, for uh, Dogwood, for yeah. Rhythm and Blooms. Rhythm that and was blooms. always really fun Yeah, back there. Um, so, when was the last show that you guys did? It would have been last What's year. What was the last show that we did? Really? That's a it would good have been question. in November because we had a bunch. We are, we had some booked in March, April, June. We well, I mean, we did summer, that. Yeah, Silent Discos. We did that Silent Disco on New Year's. That's if true. That counts. It's probably where a, was that? It was at a pretentious. pretentious. At yeah. pretentious. Yeah. How fun! It was a lot of fun. Yeah, How we, do you do a Silent Disco? Do you have to buy the headphones and all we, that? We, we own. own yeah, we bought. You own headphones. all that stuff. Yeah. Nice. So you're Silent Disco in a box. You guys can just get hired and do Silent Disco. Silent Disco Knox is our subsidiary company. No way. Yeah. Dude, those are so fun. They are so fun. They're And they're fun to watch. I remember just that Bonnaroo walking by and just standing there watching the silent disco. We did a silent disco crawl downtown last year for my birthday. We had 200 people doing a silent disco, and we started at Merchants of Beer, and then we marched up to Market Square, walked around Market Square, came back down the alley, and then back down to Poor. Yeah, we went to Poor. 
So you guys had a, a mobile a, a mobile silent disco. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. It was so it much was fun. Wild. It was hilarious. Did, did you get? I bet it was. Did you guys have uh, three different channels going, or just mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, okay? Yeah, we had little iPads and these battery packs that were you know powering all the the transmitters and stuff, and it was just hilarious. Just, so I, you know, I got out there and held traffic because we had so many people crossing. So you just like, I people were sitting at the red line just being like. Wait, what is happening? Where am I? <laughs> and we were all just kind of marching down the street. <laughs> that's you know? fantastic. Uh, so, so you've got a venue in in place that's a go to. What if you sell too many tickets? What I mean, or what if you? I mean, do you have your eyes looking at bands that might be too big for for pretentious? All the time. All the yeah. time. All the time. So then, then what happens? Well, then, usually we don't get that show. Yeah. If they're too big for pretentious, there's another room in town where they have the potential to make more money. Uh-huh. And if they know that they're going to sell more tickets, then then they do that. So then, like, we uh, need a room. That's what we need. Okay. Yeah. So so that was my next question. Is so all the, all those so Mill and Mine or mm-hmm. uh, the Bijou, the Tennessee. Yeah. Um, those venues, those those all have their own talent buying and promotions internally. Then? That, it's well, all, it's all, all AC. AC. AC does it. Yeah, they do all that. So. so is that then a business model for you guys is to partner with venues and provide that What we service. want is to own our own venue. We've yeah. been, that's the been shop's the, pretty nice. Ever. <laughs> yeah, I think we fit about 200 people <laughs> here, right? Just go in, <laughs> in here. Yeah, that's been kind of the ever-elusive goal for us is, is owning our own venue. Really? Yep. We honestly, we almost, we almost pulled the trigger on a lease. And I'm so glad oh, we God. didn't. Really? I'm so glad we didn't. Oh, well, because yeah. we were like, this is our year. We have mm-hmm. the space and we had yeah. this cool spot. And we have just some like capital that we can actually put into yeah. it. And it just didn't work out. And we were like, man, I th- we thought that was going to be it. And then all this hit. And mm-hmm. we were like, oh, gosh. Thank God. Could you yeah. imagine have spent all that money and not be able to do anything yeah. for a year and a half? Like, Yeah. Because that's the one advantage of this pandemic for a for a company our size is that we don't have any overhead other than each other, other than the rent that we have on our yeah. office, which is yeah. not all that much. Uh, shout out to last days of autumn for being really cool about that. I love their beer. It's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we just kind of get to just try to weather the storm and try to take care of our own personal finances in the meantime. Yeah, that's yeah. the game. The company's yeah. not, we've been we're not paying like a 2000 or $4,000 lease on a music venue. That's going empty for, Right. For a year. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, what about something in the pilot light kind of vein? I mean, that's <laughs> nothing against the pilot light, but it's not a shiny place, you know? Yeah. It's just a little room, and it's probably one of the most important music venues we've, oh, we've yeah. got in town, you know? Yeah, I mean, Jason does a great job over there, and some of the best shows I've seen has been at the pilot light. Sure. Me too. Um, but, like, we already have that. Oh yeah! yeah. They, oh they yeah! Do well. I guess that's true. Like we we would be looking. Can to you do guys it. do all uh, rain or shine over at uh, pretentious? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's well, all. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes. Te- technically, yes. Yeah. Rain won't stop us. We don't want it to rain. Yeah. Yeah. We've okay. got a tarp system. It's covered. It's, it's gotten way it's more t- advanced. The first show, we actually had a show. The ancient city show is one of my favorite stories. Yeah. Because like the very first we've, I think we're on like. Version four of this tarp system. It's very fancy now. Is it? Yeah, version one was rough. Version one was very. It was just kind of like string together a bunch of different tarps and hope like that it doesn't campsite. leak. And the drummer, 
the drummer of Ancient Cities had this beard, or the beer, sorry, I saw the beer, uh, had this water <laughs> pouring down, like, onto his cymbals. It's like the tarp so made a funnel and yeah, just poured and it poured right all on top of, it of his in, drum set. Onto his drum set. <laughs> and then one of the drunk guys in the front grabbed his, uh, a beer, like a cup, and ran up there and held it above his head. Oh, that's like, great. And was like, <laughs> you know, throwing it over his shoulder. <laughs> Bailing. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, but it was a good show. And we, we, we do now have a cover for it. Like, it doesn't covers look... the whole thing. It doesn't yeah. look pretty, yeah. but it's functional, and it does keep the band really dry, so... So the next step would be your own room? I think so, yeah. 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 What, what size, you think? We're hoping what to kind of... The sweet there's there's a void in Knoxville for... 500 person a venue. club style room that yeah. does that's exactly it that does ticketed events so like barley's does a great job but it's it's a bar yeah and then they can do a cover but we would be doing more like all ticketed events like bijou theater capacity 750 we don't really have like a middle ground yeah like there's plenty of shows space. that will go into the bijou and will sell 250 300 tickets yeah and to them, it's considered a failure. Yeah. And I'm like, if we just had that room, we used to have the square room, which was kind of that perfect in between. But yeah. They, it just never worked well, out. Well, what there. about the Valerium? Is that like a thousand person room or something like that? It What's was. I don't know what it's called now. It's it the International like, now. It was or, like, well, the International closed too. They, yeah. They moved all that stuff into the Concourse. Which is. Concourse has that. I mean, they've, they've increased their capacity, so. I, I think, to around 450. Yeah. And moved all of the equipment from the International over into the smaller room, which is frankly awesome yeah <laughs> that they like have yeah. that much power they in, just have all those pillars in there and you yeah it's hard peek around them it's a little tough sight lines are I, rough there yeah i i agree with you though i've always felt like there was a little bit missing and i thought the mill and mine was going to kind of fill that in but mill and mine is a, even a bigger venue than even about the size of the bijou as far as it, seating it holds, it's got a lot more capacity than the bijou. it's between the bijou and tennessee theater is it really yeah, it's 1200 and i i don't I hadn't seen a show there in a long time. I've seen a bunch of shows there, but I don't know that I've seen one in Nobody's a while. Nobody's seen a show anywhere in a long time. That's true. <laughs> and the, it sounded terrible uh, the first few times I went, and I think they've worked on it. It's gotten, it's, it's it's a gotten lot better. better, yeah. Yeah, has it gotten a lot better? Yeah, they yeah. tuned the room a little bit. They got some sound dampening in there. I think I'm not going to say it, it doesn't need more, but yeah. because it's also a wedding space, like yeah. they can't sacrifice they can't the vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aesthetic, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I get that. And a lot of those challenges, too, come with a band that brings their own front of house guy to, to mix sound. It's, it's like yeah. you're bringing in a guy that, that knows how to mix for the band, but doesn't know how to mix for the room. You think if, you'd think you have somebody with chops if you've got a, that drawn a thousand people in Knoxville, Tennessee, you know? Sure, yeah. but like, you've, Not always you've got case. like, you, the, the dynamics of the room changes once bodies get in yeah. there. So you kind of have to like it can take you the length of the entire show to like really get it tuned in. And then by that time show's over, I've heard being a sound man is a pretty stressful gig. It can can't be. confirm. It can be. Yeah. We've both done it. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta yeah. be tough. Um, I, I remember, I think it was rhythm and blooms, uh, did, did a, a venue at the terminal. Oh man. Yeah. Was that tough? That room. The ter- is Jackson terminal is an absolute nightmare. Really? Yeah. yeah. To mix just cause it's a big box. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's giant cavern. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any soundproofing in there. No, the very last year we did it, it's the best it ever did sound. It still didn't sound good. But what really? we ended up doing is we put up pipe and drape like curtains anywhere we could. Yeah, yeah. Asher and, with with what company? Asher. It wasn't uh, Asher. No, it wasn't. I thought it was him. I was trying to give him a shout out for doing the best job. Give him I've a shout out there. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Asher? Um, no, it was uh, Pyramid did it. 
in that room. Um, and we put up a bunch of, um, you know what? That last year might've been him. 2018. It was. No, we didn't use it in 2019. 18. Yeah. In 2018, it wasn't him though. So that, that room was open two years in a row, three years in a row. We used that 2016, 17 and 18. At Rhythm and Blooms. Mm -hmm. And every year it sounded terrible, but 2018 it sounded the best because we brought in a much bigger sound system and we've got the speakers up high. Yeah. Which helped. Yeah. And then we put pipe and drape up to try to eat up some of that noise. Yeah. But I saw Hayes Carl there. I was at a, Mm -hmm. I actually, I officiated my buddy's wedding that afternoon and then we, his, uh, his reception was at the, the train, what's it called? The depot Mm -hmm. right across the street. So I shook and howdied for a few minutes at the reception and then went and saw Hayes Carl (laughs) in my suit and then came back to the wedding, (laughs) had dinner. Uh, but I love, man, I, I gotta, like, I gotta talk about Rhythm and Blooms because I know that you were a big part of it for a long time and sure. I know everybody misses it. Yeah. Like you said, I'm sure you you miss it probably just as much as everybody. It looked like you were working your ass off every time I saw you at that festival, no doubt. But what happened? Like, why, why, why was something that was so great ultimately just kind of <laughs> fizzle? over here laughing um so that was our 10th year wow were um, you involved in all of them i was involved in five of them okay so I, they brought me on in in 2015 and i kind of was in charge of like listen this thing is hemorrhaging money mm. can you help us fix it yeah it always had a really really strong billing mm-hmm. and i mean i don't know if i ever paid for a ticket you know <laughs> that like- sounds right <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right so yeah i spent I spent five years trying to make changes to that event to make it profitable. Um, We cut a lot of stuff. We consolidated. We upped our security. Um, I think the first year I I did it, we had the largest crowd we've ever had. And I was like, there's no way all these people bought tickets. I know for a fact they didn't buy tickets. Because it was just like people were just walking in. That Tyler Childers show... Yeah. What the heck? So that was 2019. So we finally got around to like, even without Tyler Childers, I think that last year would have made money, but Tyler Childers brought us like into a whole new atmosphere. Really? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm getting chills. And we sold so many tickets. Day passes for that day? Day and weekend passes. That whole weekend was packed, but that night, like- that was the first we, time I'd ever seen people trying to scalp tickets outside. Really? Yeah. It was, it was wild. And we had, um, yeah, we sold out and we didn't really know what the capacity of under that bridge was. Yeah. There's not like the, the, the fire marshal were like, I don't know, like, and we didn't even, cause we never even had to think about asking Selling before. Out. Yeah. Uh, you never have to worry and about And so that. we were like two weeks before the event, we were talking to the fire marshal and we we're like, what, so what do you think the capacity under here is? And she measured it and she's like, probably about 5,500. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, how many have you sold? And I was like, about that. <laughs> right around in there. I was like, she's not coming down here to count heads. But yeah. well, <laughs> we, did, we ended up selling like 7,000 tickets. Really? Like 7,200 tickets to that Friday night. Kentucky showed up that night. I'll tell they, you that. The it entire state of Kentucky. rough as a night in jail yeah. towards the back of that. <laughs> yes, that it was. Room. Well, not only like, that, but like we didn't buy enough porta potties for 7,200 people. Right. We had enough for maybe 3,000. People, so like, did you hit any? Did you run into any problems, long oh, lines, or anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, you're yeah. gonna run into problems uh, if you have <laughs> half as many port bodies. That's the need. number one rule of putting on festivals is like, make sure you have cold beer and make sure you have enough port bodies. Yeah, that's that's a lesson I feel like 
both of us l- learned that one time. So yeah. You only have to learn it once. Yeah. So yeah, what was the thing at World's Fair with all the hot beer? Do you remember that? Was it? Like, I don't know. That wasn't us, though. No, I think it was like <laughs> I've never made that, that was mistake. Like a big Kahuna Wing Festival or yeah, something like that. Oh right. man, a Wing Festival with hot with beer? hot no. beer. Yeah, they're just like dumping it in there. Yeah, it's really oh. hard. I mean, when you when you're selling it that fast, it's hard to keep cold. And like, luckily, we had Cherokee on board and Yeehaw, and like, man, those guys were pros. Like yeah. we never. We would rarely like be out of beer. There was yeah. never like we always had they we have a, an incredible beer team and they they kept it stocked. We went through like all of the Yeehaw in East Tennessee though, that like that first night. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. It's got to so. be huge for them. Yeah, those are two things that I like I don't know. It's so especially with kids now and just getting out and going to a music festival or going to a show it's a rare thing for me as you know, more than it used to be. I used to go to 100 shows a year and mm-hmm. now it's like I get to go to you know, maybe a music festival and, you know, a dozen shows, but I don't like waiting in line for beer and I don't like, like waiting in line to go to the bathroom. And I know it's a total first world problem, but like the bands up there playing, I want to be involved in this right now. Yeah. And that's, that's That's what VIP tickets are for. Oh my gosh. Listen to this man. Get your own, uh, Sorry, man. That's that's just like <laughs> Mr. Marketing you, you triggered, over here. Yeah, you, Mr. you triggered something in my promoter brain that just made me say that. That was involuntary. Are you saying I'm in the VIP crowd? This yeah, is nice. Yeah, what happened? What, I don't know. What happened? Um, <laughs> All right. So so speaking of what of of what happened, like you said, 2019 so, looked good. Yeah. So every year we we had lost money. So it really there was, yeah. So we had this really really outdated contract that we signed when it first started with Attack Monkey Productions between Dogwood Arts and Attack Monkey Productions. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it was a handshake deal. Like there was definitely a contract, but it wasn't written by a lawyer. It's just like, and there was a lot of amb- ambiguity in right. it. Um, and a lot of room for interpretation. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know what we were working, it was like the best that relationship had, had been mm. like leading into that year. And so we were like, yeah, same as last year, same as last year. Great. We'll just change the dates and we'll be done with it. Yeah. Um, we had never even thought like, well, what happens when we actually make money? Oh, um, and so oh, shit, man. So we, really? yeah. So we started like counting up the dollars and whatever. And then, um, you know, one party was like, well, this is what we owe you. And the other party was like, mm, no, nah, you need to check your math, you know? Yeah. And so they got into this fight over it. And I ultimately was like, this was like kind of the last thing I did. I don't know how much I'm supposed to share about this, but I was like, let's, Hey, listen, we all think we're right. Let, but we, what we are most right about is that we created something awesome. Mm-hmm. So like, let's just find a number that we're both comfortable with mm-hmm. and move forward. Yeah. And I thought that we had done that. Um, and without naming like how it all went down, like that deal just kind of fell apart and mm-hmm. things started to get more and more aggressive. And I got a job opportunity with tailgame for a cause. And I was like, this seems like a really good time for me to just kind of like, see myself out like i don't i did my job i got it to i got the event into the black yeah and it's not my job to tell you who like who gets all yeah yeah i was like left over i would love a bonus but i mean i'm not gonna even touch that right now (laughs) yeah it seems like a bad time yeah (laughs) um so was no they took care of me though but like good um you know i was like i don't really want to be involved in this because i have a really good relationship with china yeah i still really appreciate china and and love the work that she does i still love dogwood kent and i still work with dogwood we're doing an event with them are you a vendor for them now yeah so we're helping them put together a new music festival um that they're hoping to grow um 
I wouldn't say to replace Rhythm and Blooms. I think they still want to want to see that come back. I don't know if that ever will, but this is just like, a, well, let's do some music in the yeah. meantime. And um, and so we're helping them with that. So, you know, it was kind of the opportunity for me. Like, I don't want to be on either sides of this. And here's another cool opportunity. And Kent and I are starting to find more jobs. And so I was yeah, like, I'm going like, to leave. Seemed like the right time. Yeah. So so had, had, um, had they canceled Rhythm and Blooms by the time you left? Or was it still? Yeah. Okay. I mean... I had no, I left before it all before like, officially it was, fell apart before anything was filed. Gotcha. I was like, I don't want to be involved in these legal proceedings, but oh yeah, there's lo- there are lawsuits. Yeah. And I don't know if that was ever if they resolved or not. Or yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah I'm going to, um, um, but yeah, so China in here and get to the bottom of it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. She probably has a much different story. Um, yeah. well, again, like I'm trying to tell a story from two different perspectives cause yeah. I don't really like, I don't sure, want to, no. but, I get um, it. You know, we, uh, Kent and I were like, let's just go find new opportunities. And, yeah. and, you know, I got involved in tailgating for a cause. And so, and what, what's for me, what's that? that's it, a 501c3, it, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, started working for them and we do Knoxville Brewfest. We do some tailgates during the fall and then they are involved in an event that Kent and I do called Sunset on Central as well. Oh, oh yeah. So. I, I remember, uh, seeing, was there a concert at, uh, was it was Sunset on Central a festival or was it one stage? It's multiple stages. Multiple stages. Mm-hmm, yeah, okay. it's a it's a festival, I guess. It's free event. Oh yeah. Um, well, usually in stage, August. Then two. Yeah. Then three. Then four. So like <laughs> free. So if you're talking about free free concerts and buying talent for for free concerts and promoting free concerts. Where does the money come from? Corporate sponsorships? Yeah. Okay. Is yeah, we, we, we don't make any money off that event. <laughs> right. It's just for goodwill and it's fun and we enjoyed Yeah. We enjoyed doing it and it was kind of a thing for Kent and I to go, you know, we can wait around for someone to like give us money to try something this big or we can just go and try to do it on yeah. our own. And so we were like, well, let's just do a free event and just see what we can grow it into. Yeah. And this last year was like our fourth year. I think. I think depending on when yeah. you say the start was, it's four or five. Four, yeah. So fourth year, and uh, there was almost probably 4,000 people out there. I mean, it was packed. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're really proud of that. My we, estimation yeah. was five, but that's Okay. <laughs> it's hard to count a free crowd, you know. It's not like we have tickets to to count. But, right, I mean, right. um, yeah, it's a fun event. It's free, and it's paid for through corporate sponsors and, you know, that's, the goodwill of the community. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure people, you know, if you don't have to buy a ticket, you might buy an extra beer too. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah. that's help. That's helpful. So what about uh, one question I've got is about like the split with artists, promoters and music venues. Like is, is Tennessee theater making money off of ticket sales when widespread panic comes to town or are they keeping the bar? Both. Okay. Mm, not if for widespread, Both. but, but is that, well, I, I, they're going to make more. Typically, the venue will make mm, the majority of their money from the bar, yeah. okay. and the majority of the ticket sales is going to go to the artist. Is that how you would set up a venue? If uh, like if you guys got your own venue, yeah, and we're booking booking gigs, would you break even on the talent buying and the promo side or promotion side? Just to just, it all de- just it all depends on ten thousand dollars worth of liquor. Yeah, I mean it all depends on the band. Gotcha. Like you kind of know the more you kind of study the band of like, oh, this is going to bring out a drinking crowd, so we can actually probably afford to give up all the ticket sales because we're gonna make so much at the bar yeah you kind of have a number that you're trying to hit and then you go well we probably need to take you know 15 percent of ticket sales too yeah. you know or whatever the number is yeah but um every every deal is different and everything's yeah. up for negotiation gotcha 
That's again what makes the music industry so tough. I bet. I love it. Uh, do you? <laughs> yeah. Are you? Are you? Are, are you a negotiating type? No. No. Are you? Are you? <laughs> not. A, are you a conflict averse? Uh, I kind am of person? very much. I kind of am too. But yeah. I mean, the, the the offers and the negotiations is not something that you go back and forth a ton about. Like, yeah. You yeah. kind of submit your offer. Everybody later, wants to do it, and everybody wants everybody to succeed. Basically. Yeah. So, they they want to make money and they're out to work, so they're going to take the deal if they like it, or they're just going to turn it down and find another yeah. venue or another city, you know, yeah. and go there instead. But yeah, and we but, always want we always want the band to leave doing well, probably ahead of our own personal success financially, because yeah. we want to build those relationships, right? Not I never, only with the yeah. artists, but with their with their booking agents, with yeah. their managers, all that. Especially starting out, right? I yeah. mean, you don't need to get get your name sullied right off the bat <laughs> by being right. terrible to work with, right? yeah. And if we ever have a show that, like, say it's a door deal where the only way they make money is, like, a percentage of, of ticket sales and it doesn't sell particularly well, if it's a band that we liked, we'll always, like, buy a couple of records from them, too, just yeah. to give them something. A little to, something else, yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> T-shirts, a uh, little merch. Yeah. yeah. We're, uh, the goal bon- is always to find something that's, that's first and foremost equitable for the artists, and then if we're able to, equitable for ourselves as well. So there's a little bit of altruism involved then as far as you guys are concerned. Like at least at the level that we're doing sure. it. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think if you're like booking Jason Isabel, no one's like, oh man, this guy's sure he does okay. This guy's struggling. Yeah. I think that I think that there's probably more just from a business perspective. But yeah. you know what? Like Jason started there. Yeah. And everyone has started there. And like that's what we care about is like we've all been a part of, you know, as a, as born and raised, it's like, we're trying to get this started and we know how that feels to start a business. And so for bands, it's like, listen, we don't want to, I never want to make more than a band makes on a night. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want them to be able to walk away with a lion's share because they're the ones that are sharing their art, yeah. that are adding value, you know, bringing something. They're the ones bringing us all together. Yeah. We're just the cheerleaders and yeah. we want to, if we can make money doing that, then great. You know? And if we can, if we can like kick a hundred extra bucks to a band, like they're all going to pile up in a, in a, yeah, a, a van. sprinter van after the show's yeah. over it's, and, with a trailer. and try to get to the next city. Yeah. With a trailer. So yeah. that that's going to ultimately usually mean more to them than it's, yeah. Than it's going yeah to it takes a anyway. long time to make money from touring, like to yeah, actually yeah, like finish the tour in the black. And so we're like, you know what, maybe tonight we didn't do super great, but like if we can get them closer to finishing in the black, like it's going to be far more meaningful to them than, well, we'll just make it back yeah. tomorrow. Especially you know, if the like, band kicks ass and it's not very well attended for whatever reason. If, yeah. we, if we think that they deserve, we yeah. didn't, if we, if Don't, we think that if, if there's any possibility that it's, we didn't do enough, then we'll just like, we never want yeah. them to give them a skip bonus. our market, you know, like, and, and sometimes when you have a bad show, you're like, let's not go back to that town. Yeah. yeah. But if we treat them well mm-hmm. and we pay them well and we go, you know, there wasn't a ton of people here, but next time we're going to get a good opener and we're going to spend more on marketing. We're going to do all this stuff and we want to make sure you're taken care of tonight. They'll go, those guys were awesome. Let's make sure we come back and we'll, especially we'll figure it out. especially for Knoxville because we represent Knoxville yeah. to to a lot of bands, especially if, there's, if it's their say. first time here. Like, and Knoxville is a skippable market. It's sandwiched in between a lot like of really you, big markets. Yeah, you go two hours west, two and a half hours west. You're in, in Nashville. You go uh, two hours east. You're in Nashville. You go three hours north. Cincinnati. Three and a half hours south. You're Atlanta. in Atlanta. So Louisville, yeah. Louisville, so we don't we Lexington. don't want we don't want quality bands skipping Knoxville because they're like, well, last time I was there, I didn't have a really good experience. Yeah. We want to make sure that every band that plays here falls in love with Knoxville and comes back. Yeah, that's great that you guys have 
you guys are attached enough to the marketplace. You know that you've got to live here. You want to make it as cool of a place to live as possible, right? Yeah. The more the more bands that come through, the more stuff there is to do on a exactly. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, which is when we get a lot of these bands coming through in a lot of cases because they're playing those big markets on bigger nights. Yeah. Uh, but the but the better place it is uh, to live, it, it I mean, it floats all ships, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, do you think the nice guy mentality of of like chipping in a couple extra dollars to the band or like, you know, that the, the altruism that I mentioned, like, do you think that scales? Like if you get, if you we'll, get, we'll you'll find f- out one day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you're booking, you know, I think that it is, I mean, just like any other business, it, it's all about relationships. It's yeah. all, it's all about, you know, building trust and a comfort level with working with the people that you work with all the time. And it's, it's pretty small. Like the music industry in terms of touring acts is, is pretty broken down by region. So we'll work with a lot of the same agents over and over. And it, it helps that we're, we went through this yesterday that we're able to just like go through our phone and just like call up a bunch of agents that, that know us and we know them. We're like, what are y'all thinking about right now? What do y'all got going on? Anything, anything going on? And then we can brainstorm ideas together. I've got just a couple more questions. I know it's hot as hell in here. So I'm sorry about that. My window unit's not in yet. I kind of, I kind of like the sweat lodge vibe. Yeah. I feel like it's clear. This is the hottest body. it's ever been. Yeah. I got that, uh, I got that, uh, uh, wood stove to install. Uh, because the winter got really cold in here and I would just oh, yeah. blast it with that propane heater right there, but it's loud and you can't yeah. like, you can't run that. So mm-hmm. I would just blast it with, uh, with heat in here. And I never planned for the opposite problem. This is the first yeah. time I've really had to deal with. You it. could use this as like an interviewing device, like interrogation style. Yeah, like, I'll true. give you, I'll give you another Modelo if you answer this really tough Oh, question. these Modellos are right here <laughs> for the taking. That's why I got them. Take, take them. Yeah. Um, Sorry, that actually reminds me of, I want to tell this story. Okay. It's unprompted, but um, one of my favorite shows we ever booked was one of the secret shows we did. Have you been to the, the little like garage behind hops and hollers? No, I've seen it though. Okay. It's very much like this. Yeah. Um, it's somehow hotter. I don't know how, <laughs> but it is, it's like significantly hotter and we put uh, probably 150 people in there and it's probably the same size. Like to be completely <laughs> honest, it was tiny. And we had this band yeah, called that, that day. We, it had a, it had a window AC unit and we turned it on. And I distinctly remember looking at you going, is that, is it hotter? It's hotter. <laughs> how is that? How is it hotter? And we kept the whole day. We were just like, well, when the sun goes down and the, the AC unit kicks on, I'm like it'll cool down. It'll cool down. It'll definitely cool down. It did. It got hotter when the sun went down. I don't know. So we had a hundred people, 150 people in there. And the band, like, I remember Jared from Repeat Repeat was playing guitar and like, it was, just, it was like almost like he had a hose through his shirt and it was just dripping. Like it wasn't drip. It was just a, a stream. Yeah. Down his arm of sweat. And we had fans on him and all this stuff, but it was the rowdiest show. Was it, it was so much fun. Sometimes yes. people just kind of get like in the rain too. Yeah. You know, they just, just committed to yeah, it. Exactly. And I think crumb snatchers open and they just immediately when they got they on went, stage they got got nice. half a half a song in and they all took their shirts off nice. yeah. <laughs> glistening yes <laughs> so what do you think the rebound looks like from all this from from no i mean there's a lot of different ways you can go you can do the drive-in route you can wait till there's a vaccine or wait till people are comfortable you obviously can't have a concert where people come and don't wear masks and social distance or you will get uh social media shamed right for the rest yeah, of your exactly. life so like what do you, if you're going to prognosticate or just kind of see what it looks like going forward? What do you, what do you think when we come back from all this, people are going to be so hungry. 
yeah, for oh, live yeah. music. What does that mean? Does that mean, what does that mean for artist relations? Like are artists as hungry to work? Are they going to make more deals? Are they going to make more, are they going to be more expensive? Are they going to be cheaper? You know what I mean? What did it do for supply? Well, and we probably have, we might have different, I kind of want to hear your thought before I, before I jump in. I think long, I think short term right now, as we see these numbers spike, I think artists don't want like, COVID numbers. Yeah. The COVID number spike. I think people are like, let's just, let's just wait. Let's just see what happens. I think both fans and artists are like that. And I think businesses want to get back to work. They're yep. ready to bring music in. Cause it means people will be in there. They have bills to pay. Um, and I, I understand that's a really hard place to be of like, well, we've got to pay our employees. We've got to pay our rent. So we've got to sell beer. So like, how do we get these shows in here? Um, but I think that it's, it's really hard. The industry in general is just not ready to come back. I think yep. long-term, I think our industry, I've always kind of related it to like a wildfire. I think, I think the industry is like burning to the ground, Really, but I think there's going to be a lot of new growth that you start to see pop ah. out of it. And I'm really excited about that. Gotcha. Um, I think it'll allow for a lot of room for us, but I mean, I've read a lot of articles about you know, they say up to 90% of independent venues could close by the end of the year. It's crazy. Um, and they, you know, Live Nation rolled out all these crazy new rules about how how they're going to do deposits and paying artists and cancellation policies that they're trying to change. Because yeah. as a promoter, like how it typically works I, is like... I we, think I saw Sturgill Simpson post that on Instagram the other and day. And he was, was probably like, like he, yeah, right. Like he posted the crying, yeah. laughing face. Yeah. yeah. I read um, it. I was like... That sounds like bullshit. Like that sounds yeah. like the artist is getting totally screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think the, I think ultimately, I think that's a really, it's probably a negotiation tactic of like, let's yeah. go really extreme. And then we're going to seem like we're, yeah, we're um, compromising, which is right where we want to be. But um, I think that ultimately everyone's going to have to take, going to have to take a hit. And like, I know the promoters had to have lost like if, mm. if Bonnaroo and Coachella, like mm. I, unless all of these, all of these events and venues run with, I think this is something that a lot of people don't realize. They run with enormous amounts of overhead. Like having to straight yeah. up cancel is a huge, huge hit. And maybe you work with production companies that you have a good enough relationship with that they they waive their deposit or whatever, but they give your not deposit the back. Yeah. yeah. And these bands require some of the agents require 50%. Some of them require a hundred percent deposit up front. Mm -hmm. And in the contract, if you cancel the event, mm. they don't have to give it back. Mm. So like I would assume there's some kind of disaster clause and new, new standing <laughs> sure. policy, but you still have to go get that money. Yeah. You know, if they decide not to give it to you. And yeah. I, I would assume that a lot of the agents have to realize like if we don't give this money back there's not gonna be anyone to pay us when music comes back right if we if we destroy all the promoters yeah who's gonna promote shows after this? right but i mean at the same time they're also hurting going well how where else are we gonna get money from yeah well we can't give them back this money because then we're gonna go broke so like yeah the music industry is kind of in a tailspin <laughs> it's a, a little mess. bit yeah. it, it, there's three three industries that look really bad right now uh, that did not do some industries have thrived from this. You cannot mm -hmm. buy a kayak right now because yeah. people <laughs> they're just like, let's get out. Yeah, let's get exactly. Yeah. But you know, I think the music industry, of course, mm -hmm. gig workers, musicians, mm -hmm. everybody that's involved, restaurants have been kicked in the pants real oh, yeah. bad. Oh yeah. Sports. 
Sports, yeah. Uh, the and I wouldn't worry about sports. I'm not worried. <laughs> I'm not, be fine. You're right. I'm not worried about. So you're exactly right. Um, especially university, you know, college athletics. Yeah. Uh, but but restaurants, I, that does suck really bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that that these guys who've bootstrapped it for a long time and don't have, you know, six months worth of runway. Yeah, which sucks to pay their big rent. time because it doesn't hurt the Applebee's of the world. Like no, they they've got exactly to weather the storm. Well, it's you all saw when local independent. Yeah. Uh, restaurants and bars. For well, you sure. saw when Ruth's Chris tried to get the PPP, what happened there? Yeah, <laughs> same with, with um, um, Shake Shack. Shake Shack yeah. gave it back. Yeah, but, they did. And that was um, good PR for them. Uh, but but the yeah. music industry, um, so two parts to it. Like the, a, lo- a lot of industries have been able to refine processes, identify uh, inefficiencies um, with the whole work from home thing. And, yeah. and so a lot, I think a lot of industries are going to come back and be in a little better shape than they were before it started. Yeah. It, given that things gear back up and start moving. Yeah. But just like the music industry has kind of, is kind of double hit because of live music in particular, because yeah. um, there's, been not only did you halt everything there's been nothing for them to refine nothing for them to get better at it's just like okay are our drive drive-in concerts going to be a, a you know the the brand new thing hell no <laughs> yeah so it's like what it, it double sucks for the music industry that yeah. the, people have been trying to like force positive they've been trying to force like digital give me some positives events what are some us? positives oh there are none. <laughs> it's it's bad. That's what I, was, I thought. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were going to go into talking. About, I've heard I've heard people, uh, different industry pontificators and podcast hosts being like, "No, this is actually a good thing." And it's like yeah. horseshit. This yeah. it, there's no yeah. no matter how you slice it. I haven't it's booked bad. a gig in six months. Yeah, yeah like- it's. I mean, it. There are things that you can do to set yourself up when things come back, but you would trade all of that to do one show this weekend. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can take some time off to, to, to write some new stuff. You can take it off to build your website and do all the other like business side of stuff while you can't be out gigging. But like, that if, doesn't mean it's good. It's just bad. It's yeah, all If bad. we wanted to do that stuff though, we could just take time off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The exactly. reason why we never did it before is because we love we were doing working. live shows. We <laughs> yeah. love that. We love doing what we love. Yeah. And that whole industry is kind of, if you work in the music industry, I always say like, um, you either are addicted to it or you're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> because you're always going to do twice as much work for half as much pay. Yeah. And so if you think you're going to get rich in the music industry, you're an idiot. You know, because you don't get into this industry because because you want to get rich, you get into it because you love it. Yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's the only way you looks survive. Like a it. hell of a lot of fun, man. And it it's is, similar yeah. for us as promoters too. Like we we've taken this time without being able to book shows to do some other interesting things. We started a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get into that at the very at the very end. This is a good time to do that. Perfect. We'll put a a pin in that. But yeah. we also like started selling. Uh, started a vinyl subscription service uh, that we're working That's with cool. a lot of local bands. What's on. What's that? It's called Beer Me That Vinyl. We can beer, talk about that when we Beer Me That Vinyl. Talk uh, mm-hmm. talk about the podcast. The uh, podcast cool. in earnest. Um, we're doing cold sack concerts, doing a lot of different things that we can try, and they're fun. They're they're cool things to do that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. But again, I would trade all of it. I would trade it all to be able to do one show at Pretentious this weekend. Yeah, and all of them have like slowed the drain of the bank account. Yeah. Oh, that's good. But it hasn't stopped. Yeah. Finger <laughs> it's in the not. Dive. It's not going up, and so it's yeah. like, okay, well, 
still trending their own direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're surviving. But it, I think if we can survive this, if the music, the people who can survive this and keep their brain intact and still have um, good faith and attention from their fans. It'll be a less crowded field when everybody, everything yeah, come, I comes think back. Which, that's like Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan on the boat, right? Yeah. You know, all the- <laughs> exactly. That's what we're hoping. We're going to open a Bubba Gump uh, touring and, and production company. Invested in some fruit company. Now we don't have to worry about money no more. <laughs> you guys want to talk about the podcast? Born, sure. Born and Raised podcast. Yeah. I've enjoyed the couple I've listened to. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of uh, of Guy Marshall and Adam and Serena. Yeah. That McNulty. was such a good episode. It, it was, was really Adam, fantastic. I, you know, some some musicians, we wonder like how much we're going to have to convince them to to share. Mm, and Adam wasn't from, a problem from the get go was just was just like pouring out his yeah. soul about all the stuff around that record. We didn't even prompt questions. Sometimes we're like, "So music," and he's like, "The thing about music," and he was <laughs> <Yeah>. just like, <laughs> yeah, just, "Just go launch off." And yeah, this long, super interesting story. And it was it was packed with like a lot of vulnerability mm-hmm. and yeah. like a lot of stuff that's probably not popular with the church crowd to say. Yeah, that, well, yeah. I mean, he's just being honest yeah. with his own experience. And- yeah. That's kind of what the beer me that vinyl that so that was a beer me that vinyl episode. Yeah, so you guys have it within your within the born and raised podcast, which uh, is 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 the brand. Uh, there, right. There's like a, a, a little series, a series inside mm-hmm. of that. So we uh, we started beer me that vinyl, which is a subscription service. We we pair a beer with a record. Cool, and we get the brewer and the musician together on t- two separate podcasts. But we like kind of dissect what it is that we've put together, and then we have that pairing available on our website so awesome. you can order it um and people have really really and you can also it. get one or the other you can get just the record or just the beer yeah that's cool but beer um, that vinyl. i've really enjoyed it because it's really scratched that itch for me of just like i love i love all music podcasts i love when people dissect songs or dissect yeah. records or whatever and it's given us an opportunity to kind of like dive in with these local bands though we love the records but we've never really heard them tell their story because yeah. you know they're local bands. It's not like NPR's calling them to, you know, hey, come talk about yeah. the record. So yeah. it's our opportunity to kind of dig in. And man, Ken and I knew a good amount about that record, but like he really did just like he filled he, in all he, the blanks, exactly. called, really, really colored yeah. and gave it context. And, and it yeah. makes you want, you're like, oh, I'm, I got to listen to this. Dude, I, I have been, I, and, and this is uh, some good, I think some good press for your, uh, for your uh, podcast. I had not heard that album and, and Adam's a buddy of mine. I mm-hmm. see him around a lot, but I had not listened to that album yet. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And after I got done listening, there were multiple times throughout your podcast where I was like, I'm going to listen to the album. And I was like, no, I want to listen to the rest of the podcast first. <laughs> and then, so after I finished the podcast, I listened to uh, the love we've made together and otherwise guy Marshall's new album. And dude, I've been listening to it two or three times a day That's ever, fantastic. ever since then. It's exactly what it's for. Yeah. yeah. Immediate it, returns. It, it's, <laughs> it's an awesome album. And then not only is it an awesome album, I, I think I appreciate the album more because I listen to your guys' podcast and listen to Adam and Serena both dig into it and, and, and give some context to, to those songs. And so then to take that like a step further, um, I talked to Adam a couple of days ago about uh, Guy Marshall coming in and, and doing this podcast. And like I, with my podcast, I, I think that we're doing a different thing. You're born and raised podcast and, 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 and South of Scruffy. I think that while we'll probably get a lot of the same guests over the years, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 
I appreciate that you guys can do that deep dive with, with Adam, because I really like, I would have a tendency to just like dig in and be like, so what, what in this lyric right here, what did you mean exactly by that lyric? And I'm sure there's nothing more, um, just, I don't know. I feel like too much of a fanboy to ask those kinds of questions. Right. So I don't, I don't ask those questions. So I, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in learning about Adam Adam and Serena's upbringing and how they met and like, what makes you, I love that stuff though. I really do. But so I think that our, uh, that we've got like a symbiotic thing going with our podcasts. You you almost like, do you listen to Dak Shepard's podcast? No, I've heard awesome things about it. Yours is like a Knoxville version of that. You really get to the essence of a person. That's what I'm trying to do. And I like it because like, I've listened to some of them and I'm like, these are people I'm friends with. Yeah. We were talking about like with Rebecca. I was like, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Half those stories I didn't even know. And it's like a super interesting story. And now I'm like, man, I should probably call her and hang out. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But it's just fun to like meet the characters in Knoxville. Yeah. I I agree a hundred percent. And, and so, but that's also, that's why I, you know, appreciate um, but you know, the one that you guys did with Guy Marshall, but the Eric Baker, Eric Baker episode that I listened to as well, like you guys got a little granular and into his music. And those are questions that I've always wanted to ask Eric, but I haven't <laughs> because I, I don't want to fanboy him. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. And, and that's just like an insecurity of mine, right? Like that I don't want to get like, I don't want to bother an artist with like, I don't know. I just wrote it, man. You know, yeah. but Eric's the kind of guy who'll dig in and doesn't oh, mind yeah. telling you, but that was a great episode as well. I really enjoyed that. What was yeah, that? We, we enjoyed did that too. too. Yeah. We, we ended up talking to Eric for another like maybe hour and a half, two hours yeah. after we hit stop on That's the awesome. on the interface. That's but, awesome. Well, yeah, he enjoyed it too. It was fun to just be like, man, when you have those conversations that people are like, it's just like, let's just keep talking, you know, yeah. just a good conversation. He's a, he's a good guy. He's got plenty of really great story. He's a great storyteller. And he's too. the first guy that we had on the podcast that we hadn't like. We didn't have any rapport with him. We, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think I, that's. I, I think that's, him once. I just emailed him. Yeah. Did you? I think that's one one of the reasons why we are able to ask some of those questions is because we work with these musicians, mm-hmm. like Adam and Serena. We hosted their their CD release show at the Outpost, and um, we've worked with them several times. Yeah, you guys you know, are our buddies, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like yeah. a peer asking something like that. Yeah. So I think that's why we're able to ask some of those questions. But like Eric, I had I had worked with Eric on a few things with Rhythm and Blooms, but didn't really know him super well yeah, yeah we communicated via email trying to put a show together a year or two ago that ultimately didn't work out because he was doing two nights at the bijou this around the same time but that was like the only time i'd ever talked to him before so that was a whole different episode because we didn't have any kind of frame of reference we were just like all right let's 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 start talking yeah <laughs> about music yeah but i mean all of our 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 podcast is is different in the idea that like it's always focused around music. Right. And like uh, specifically, especially when we have outside of the beer me that vinyl episodes, we're kind of trying to draw out some nuggets that other artists could listen to and go, Oh, I should do that. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I can, I could probably pick up that idea. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that when I lived in Nashville, I think you see a lot of bands come out of Nashville for multiple reasons, but one of them is that there's so many people doing it that you kind of pick up the tricks yeah. quicker because you see yeah. so many of them they're like, oh, that guy took off. I wonder how that happened. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw it happen. I was here for it. So you kind of pick those up. And I, I think in Knoxville, we're a little more spread out from a music scene perspective. And so kind of forcing that has been, I think, been helpful to help develop all the artists here. Yeah. So. Well, we certainly have no shortage of badasses for you guys to pick from for your podcast. Mm-hmm. We've got a great right. music scene here, and I'm very glad that you guys are are documenting it. I mean, part of the reason I do this is 
to time capsule it, right? I mean, yeah, to have true. something down the road for Eric Baker to let his grandkids listen to and hear yeah. what their dad was doing on, you know, May 1st, 2020 <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, that I, I'm very grateful that Born and Raised podcast uh, exists mm-hmm. and your company too, just for, because I think that you guys are pushing the right things and things that people like me mm-hmm. want to patronize. Well, you know, yeah. That's what yeah. I want to spend my money on and cast my dollar, cast you, my vote with my dollar. And with you're you guys. so right about having such a deep well of badass musicians to go through. I feel like I've said this on other podcasts before and probably ours as well. I think pound for pound Knoxville is the best music town in the country. It's like, yeah, you've got probably got more going on in Nashville, but Nashville's huge. Like yeah. for a town, our size, we have no business having the amount of just great talent. That's so diverse in this city. I asked somebody this and I don't remember who it was, but I asked him on this podcast. I'm interested to see what you guys think. I agree with you hundred percent. I think we have, you know, you get a preservation pub. We're pre coronavirus. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you sure. get a preservation pub, uh, scruffy city hall. You get a Barley's you're seeing world-class musicians on a Tuesday, Wednesday night, local musicians in a lot of cases. And why do we have such a volume of we we have a disproportionate amount of very good musicians and very good bands for the size of our city? How come we don't have some you know pride breakouts of, a breakout band? I mean, Super Drag, Gran Torino, mm-hmm. like and that was twenty five years ago, yeah, you know, right. thirty years ago. So we've had bands flirt with it for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dirty Govs type stuff they were yeah if it's if it yeah. takes 10 years they they stopped at the nine year and three quarters mark yeah. they were yeah. so close yeah <laughs> um so what is that what is that do you think i mean and, and i don't know you guys don't have all the answers but i mean i have some thoughts okay <laughs> hit me <laughs> we we are actually it talking about this that, yesterday yeah we were we were talking about this exact thing yesterday it i think it it doesn't have to but i think it helps a lot i think it takes that first one just that first one to like really hit it big. You compare Knoxville to somewhere like Athens, Georgia. So like, I, I don't know who you would say first out R-E-M? of like the Athens early scene. I would say probably the B-52s before oh, gotcha. R.E.M. just a little Earlier. bit. Yeah. But I mean, they were coming up together yeah. in that Athens scene and like just because from that city, there was a blueprint. Not only do people get to look at other people, other bands that have, have done it before and say, well, maybe I can just go the same route and do and just kind of like copy what they did and maybe I'll make it too. I think it also just makes people believe that it can happen from that city. Gotcha. Yeah. What else is here? What else is here? Everyone starts paying attention to everyone else. So in that time you had B-52s, R.E.M., Talking Heads, um, and then like even on up to today, like bands like Family and Friends, uh, Reptar. I mean, there's all kinds of bands that have have like- Drive-by truckers from there. I think that's right, yeah. Don't that hold me to right. that. That, that sounds, sounds right. right. We're just going to say it's right. Nobody look it up. Um, <laughs> Don't search it. Yeah. There's no fact yeah. check on and it. Right? South Carolina. Okay. I'm, I'm guessing South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> of Montreal is another example of, of yeah. I, I, but you I, just I, named a ton of bands from a town that's uh, an SEC school town. Yeah. That's right. smaller than Knoxville. Yeah. yeah. You know, I always do kind of, I always do kind of leave out the caveat when I say pound for pound, best music town in the world. I was like, maybe Athens, Athens. maybe Athens as well. Yeah. But do you think they'll say equal? How far is Athens from Atlanta? It's like an hour and a half. Yeah. It's not that close. Yeah. I mean, it's, okay. I mean, well, they've kind of built around the college, but it's, it's mostly farmland out there. Yeah. yeah. 
It doesn't make much sense to me that, that Athens has that and, yeah, that's, and, I mean, and we don't. Yeah. It's kind of annoying actually. Yeah. But, but <laughs> Hey man, we're going to, we're going to get it. And then we're going to have a run. I think, I think, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I think we, so we were talking about this with Joe from, um, Digitracks or what is it? Sono, uh, Sono, Sono Studios. Yeah. Sonoc Studios. Oh, cool. He was saying like, if you kind of look at some of these scenes, it happened early in the eighties in New York. It happened. They happened in Seattle. It happened in Raleigh, Durham area in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's the whole scene kind of picks up on one and goes, let's champion these guys. They yeah. stop working against each other yeah. and start working for each other. And I think that, you know, I think we've started to move towards that. I think the scene is starting to become more unified, but I think the more we can do that and like really champion one another's music, mm-hmm. I think one's going to break through. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's what it's going to take. It's like, Shit, you Seattle know. is the quintessential example. Yeah, that. I mean, it was for a city as big as it is in terms of music. It was an afterthought until Nirvana, Nirvana. broke through, and then like how many, how many huge bands yeah. from Seattle broke out immediately after that? Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, uh, Alice in Chains, like all these different bands. So yeah, I mean, that's it. I think I think it truly M- takes Memphis the had one. a run. So I think if we 60s. break the seal, break 60s. the seal. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go. Yeah. Here's to doing that. Let's Here's to do doing it. it. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for coming by. This has been a really good time. How was that for you? I thought it was awesome. I really enjoyed talking to those dudes. I uh, didn't know where it was going to where it was going to go because uh, I didn't I, like I said don't know them that well. Uh, but I do now. Uh, guys, thanks for, for checking it out. Check us out on, on Patreon. On uh, Go to the website, southofscruffy.com. Uh, Instagram, at southofscruffy. Be sure to subscribe wherever you pod. If that's Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Do it. Love you guys. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Talk soon. Scruffhead! Matt Honkinen, play me out. Play me out.